As the world opens back up, we wanted an insider's view into hospitality, one of the hardest hit industries during the pandemic. We sat down with Pavan Partisani, the chief marketing officer at Tao Group, an exceptional player in the restaurant, nightlife, and experience space, operating 66 entertainment, dining, and nightlife properties in 22 markets across five continents. Pavan paints an intimate picture of the strong human-centered leadership and innovative approaches taken by Tao and parent company Madison Square Garden over the past year. With over two decades of experience, Pavan also shares his personal views on the superpowers of hospitality, what service means, how the smartphone has forever changed restaurants and nightlife, and what really goes down in the club when no one is watching. I've had the privilege of being Pavan's friend since 1999 when he was just starting out, and he has continued to amaze me as a human executive leader and true family man. So drop in. You do not want to miss this one. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Disrupted Workforce Podcast, a show focused on how disruptions such as the pandemic, AI, and emerging technologies are reimagining work, skills, and purpose in 2021 and beyond. I'm Alex Schwartz. And I'm Nate Thompson. And we are your hosts. Our mission is to help you navigate these challenging and dynamic times with humanity, actionable insights, and honest conversations with experts in their field. Thanks for listening, and please be sure to rate and review the podcast. Few industries were more challenged in 2020 than hospitality. Over 110,000 drinking and eating establishments in the United States closed their doors temporarily or permanently last year. Restaurants, in particular, shed close to 6 million jobs during the first few weeks of the pandemic alone. It's estimated that 2.5 million of those jobs are still gone, even with the U.S. opening back up. Going from fully operating to fully shut forced hospitality players to make tough leadership, employee, and payroll decisions to survive. Many closed their doors for good, while others scrambled to reimagine their business for a constantly shifting landscape of regulations and safety protocols. Innovation on a shoestring budget became the new normal for survival as leaders in the space struggle with how to bring intimate, in-person, indoor experience to life in a world that was shut. This episode is an up-close and personal look at how this played out for an exceptional player in the restaurant nightlife and experience space through the eyes of Tao Group Chief Marketing Officer Pavan Partisani. Let's dive in. So today we are so excited to have my old and dear friend Pavan on the Disrupted Workforce. Pavan and I have been friends for over 20 years. We met when he was still a promoter at NYU and now has graduated splendidly as the chief marketing officer for Tao Hakasan Group, which oversees 66 entertainment, dining, and nightlife venues in 22 markets across five continents, which is really crazy and delivers a fantastic guest experience at each and every one of these venues. So Pavan, you and I last saw each other just before this pandemic started. I was with you and your wife and your kids in LA in February of 2020. And then we just got together again, um, your kids and my, my little boy Jagger uh, here in Miami. And 
obviously so much has changed, but it's definitely a full circle journey and really, really would love to hear more from you about what it was like during the pandemic. I mean, bring us back in the moment where I last saw you in 2020, Coachella was just being canceled. You were trying to figure out what does my business look like? I'm in the, I'm in the hospitality business and the world is closing. And I would love to hear a little bit about that journey, what it, what it meant for you, how it came alive and how you guys got through it. Yeah. I mean, thanks. Thanks for the great introduction, Alex. And thank you for having me on. Um, you know, I would say at the time that you and I were together early on in the pandemic, I would say our emotions were similar to everyone else. A lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty and and knowing, especially with our business and seeing early on that we were going to be very challenged with our ability to operate for an unknown period of time. And I think any of us were optimistic that, you know, it'd be a couple of weeks, then a couple of months, then who knows how long. And we all went yeah. through that. But I think... Um, you know, most of us recognize that the hospitality industry is right up there with one of the most affected by by the pandemic, and and especially for us, where um, you know we we always thought technology, social media, perhaps would be the undoing of our business, but but we we recognized early on that people uh, gravitate towards our places for the human interaction, and there is no replacement for that human interaction, and that unique experience that we provide our guests um, in person was what always allowed our business to thrive. And, and that was really coming under assault as a result of, of the pandemic. But that fear and uncertainty really quickly turned into positivity, optimism, you know, as one of the leaders of our organization, thinking about how we were gonna take care of our people really became the, the foremost thought. Um, how are we gonna take care of those who work throughout all those properties? How are we gonna provide for them? How are we gonna support them? And I think the most remarkable thing early on was seeing our company come together under uh, under that you know sort of guiding principle of how to take care of our people and and those are the people that have always taken care of us and and I think that was early on probably the silver lining to to the pandemic. And you guys tried a lot of different things, right? You guys tried a lot of different things. You got very creative. With uh, pickup and delivery from Tao and building absolutely stunning outdoor dining experiences for some of your indoor only properties. I'd love to hear a little bit more about what worked, what didn't. How was that sort of test and learn culture uh, launched within the company and sort of what are some of the key takeaways? Yeah, I mean, actually, our first steps were really mobilizing around um, a uh, employee relief fund, which we created. Um, because prior to even being able to operate in any capacity, it was, you know, like I said, how to take care of our people. And we, we, we raised a significant amount of money through a variety of really innovative um, tactics to uh, create a fund that was available to current and former employees who could tap into that on a grant basis. And I think before our creativity around how to operate again, our creativity around how to fundraise really came into play. And, um, and that's something we're really proud of uh, beyond, beyond, you know that fundraising opportunity and 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 taking care of our crew. Yeah, I think um, you know the, the 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 actual bridge to to actually opening our venues back up again was really tapping into the virtual and seeing how we could attempt to bring the experience we were so well known for into the homes of our guests mm -hmm. through working with our culinary teams, our operation teams, whether it was traditional delivery. 
cook-alongs virtually with our chefs who are, who are widely regarded, nationwide shipping and delivery of our items, something we never thought uh, we would ever do. Um, because I think with our company in particular, so much of enjoying our our um, brands is actually being inside of those those stores and and seeing and feeling the energy and and the design and the hospitality and service and and that's something we're really proud of and so how do we translate that and bring it into people's homes and then it was okay now we can operate how do we operate in a way that's safe for our internal guests our team but also for our external guests and you know that that ranged from um really bringing the experience outside which again was a foreign concept to us because very few of our spaces actually have outdoors outdoor areas they're really geared towards bringing you into the sort of transportive experience inside of our our venues and you know seeing our teams come together with with little to no budgets and 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 working with the cities and sometimes around the cities to to create those experiences for our guests is something that has for certain forever changed how we're going to do business again. A lot of those initiatives are being carried forward even as we speak today um, because the reality of it is is that um, our guests really enjoyed them. And um, we also see that there's potentially some uncertainty for time to come. And we just want to always be prepared and on our toes for, um, you know, continuing to offer those kind of experiences for our guests. So the outside lives on. Yeah, yeah. Outside lives on. You're seeing a lot of the cities. I believe the outdoor areas in New York are are green lit until at least next summer. Uh, Mayor Garcetti here in LA has um, uh, a, has passed a, a law that's going to allow outdoor spaces to continue with operators being able to take on adjacent spaces to to offer that experience for guests. So yeah, yeah, we're definitely seeing that. Tao Chicago, a city where you know the weather is 100 days of summer. Uh, we built a patio, something we never envisioned in that space. It's reopening very soon, and it will forever be part of the the DNA of our company, so, for sure. That is so. Yeah. I didn't know about the employee relief fund. That's also really amazing and yeah. heartfelt and yeah. you know, builds a, an incredible amount of goodwill, I would imagine, to keep your employees uh, you know, under, your, under your care for, for years to come. Totally. I, I think um, we, we have this saying in, internally that our greatest asset is our people. A lot of times when we ask, you know, guests or su- supporters of our brands or friends of ours, what they think our greatest asset is, they always say something like, oh, you know, the towel brand or, oh, you're, you know, this, this venue that I love or, or th- this, you know, this program that you've done or this event that you've done. And we always look at them and say the same thing. You got it wrong. It's our people. It's our management team. It's our people. That's our greatest asset. So yeah, with that thought in mind, the relief fund was just a natural evolution of that idea. I would just probe and say to that end, a lot of people think that nightlife can be a scuzzy business and it, and it can be right. I think yeah. you and I both experienced that in, in, in our younger years, you have such integrity and such a strong value system what are some of those key values that are pervasive um, within your company that you see as the drivers for for making your management team so well loved, your people so well loved? Um, our greatest core value that we talk a lot about is gracious hospitality. Uh, you mentioned that when you were talking about our portfolio. We truly believe that through every experience and interaction our guests have, 
that it's our job to be ambassadors of gracious hospitality. And if we do that right, if, if, we, if we make people feel a certain way, they're never gonna forget that. Um, another would be that we always need to, and this is important also, um, we, we talk about it, Bill Bombrest who's our COO talks about it as a math equation that the internal guest experience, our team members, their experience always has to be greater than our guest experience. Because if our team members are well taken care of, they're gonna take great care of our guests. Yes. And that's something that we really, really believe in um, very strongly. Um, we also believe in building a complementary team where we um, accentuate each other's strengths and make our weaknesses um, you know, unimportant. Um, those would be, I think, three that we really preach quite often um, and is sort of our driving mantra around our business. Uh, and again, a people first philosophy, like I touched on with um, the, um, the, the relief fund and through those endeavors as well. Let's stay with that people first philosophy first. Huge kudos. A lot of organizations did not take this approach and they went to creating operational efficiencies. And a lot of people were caught in that kind of nasty turn. You guys go a different direction. However, because the restaurant and nightlife industry were so significantly impacted, you probably had to make some adjustments on people and then and you make some of those adjustments and whether that's furlough or you have to let some people go. And now all of a sudden everything's ramping back up again and you're probably looking to bring a whole bunch of people back and do a quick ramp. So can you kind of tell us a little bit about how that people's side of things went? Sure, sure. Well, first of all, it would be hard to ignore the fact that Madison Square Garden is our parent company. And um, I have to say that um, hats off to them, honestly, for for right away stepping up and saying that you need to take care of your people don't lose a single good person um if you can avoid it don't lose a single good person hold on to them because when we come back we're going to come back stronger and bigger than ever and uh and and you know uh in march they took the same approach as did we and we're really proud of the fact that early on um obviously the venue level staff and team members that are responsible for delivering that guest experience day to day in our stores different conversation with them. Um, and, and it was really with them in mind that we developed the employee relief fund. Mm -hmm. And many of those were able to come to us and receive grants on an ongoing basis um, so that we could support them while, you know, uh, the government figured out what they could do as well. Mm -hmm. But um, honestly, early on, we didn't make any adjustments in our team. And that's something we're really, really proud of. What that's we awesome. did do, however, all of us from the founders down the line agreed to take a reduction in salary so that we could be a little bit more efficient on the expense side and thereby allow us to hold on to more people. Um, I don't want to, I don't think there's any one right way to do things. Um, every company is in a different position um, because we had Madison Square Garden's backing and commitment to our plan to take care of our people. We were able to, to be a lot more aggressive in who we held on to. Um, Pavan, is but, that why you made me pay for everything when I saw you? Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Someone has to pick up the tab. No, um, but 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 yeah, no. It was it was it was a really beautiful and powerful thing, honestly, to be able to go to our team, including myself. I mean, just because I'm at my level doesn't mean that I didn't have the same concerns and understanding. Like, wow, we're not going to be able to make money. I mean our revenue went from whatever it was to zero, right? There was no like winding down. I mean, one day we were doing business and the next day for a long time, we just simply weren't able to do any business. And yes, while we pivoted to other initiatives, 
we largely pivoted to them um, not in an effort to, not with the effort to create profit for us, but really in the understanding that we had held on to a, a large group of people. Everybody had a strong desire and will to want to make a contribution. And the feeling was through our salaried personnel, if we could get behind some of these initiatives, create some revenue that honestly, we would lose less money than we were before, you know, and that, that was really the reality of the situation. That's so, it's just so cool how empathetic, compassionate, heartfelt, people first, it, it, taking the, the salary reduction to kind of smooth things out operationally, phenomenal, phenomenal. And, yep. and um, the, to Alex's point, no question that that is what fosters a distinctive culture. That's when people totally. feel like this is where I belong. So just totally. phenomenal on that front. I have to Thank ask you. the question about um, remote work. Like, look at everybody's wrestling with this. Hey, we're running the business remotely. There are some undeniable um, efficiencies. We've destroyed the idea that you can't run a business remotely. You can. And so surely you all are kind of wrestling with this sort of hybrid thing. Are you bringing everybody back? Are you bringing some people back? Do some things stay remote now? Yeah, so I think that's a really fair question. I think it's it's hard to ignore the fact that um, we operate venues and we have members of our team who we are um, we've had to bring back to get those stores reopen again, right? And if we think of our total team as being comprised of our venue level teams as well as our corporate teams, it's really important for us to have a consistent message. If if we truly believe, which we do, that it's safe for our team members to come back and run those stores. Then at the same time, eventually for us, we need to get our corporate teams back into the office, meeting and collaborating with each other because we we think that that's, that's a really fair position to take. Now, if we didn't have a tangible product or service that we delivered through, through the form of those actual physical stores right. that create the revenue and the profit for the company, um, perhaps we would feel differently about that approach and issue more of a um, remote working, you know, relationship with our team members. But because that's the case, because we have physical venues, right, where, where our our internal guests and our external guests are interacting with each other, we think it's important to set the tone for our team to eventually come back to the office. That being said, I it's hard, you know, certainly I think uh, we would all agree that remotely communicating and collaborating with each other is possible. It can be effective. That really comes down to having the right people in place. Um, it certainly does away for the same need or necessity or thought for travel that we we might have anticipated before. Um, so in that sense, and I think a hybrid version of a back-to-office scenario is more possible now. Look, I'll be the first one to admit, I was one of those leaders. If you were on my team and you said, Hey, can I work from home today? I'd say, sure, no problem. Take a vacation day, right? Because in my mind, you need to be in an office setting. The way I used to think, at least, was to be truly productive and make a contribution, you need to be in that setting. That's that's certainly changed. You know, I think we are very sensitive to that. At this time, we have not um, put forward a return to work practice or policy. But also as members of a larger community and society, especially in cities like New York, where our headquarters are, where Madison Square Garden's headquarters are. Part of helping the city revive itself, part of helping the city get back to where we want it to be is bringing people back to work so that they can support small and local businesses, so they can host and entertain um, at our venues, so they can attend games and concert, concerts at Madison Square Garden and its related facilities. We need to be part of that, right? Everybody sits back and talks about, 
cities and, 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 and you know, people leaving and how's that going to come back? Well, one of those first steps is committing ourselves to bringing our teams back to work so that they can support those cities um, in a meaningful way. And I think that's really important. Absolutely. I mean, we, and we're having that conversation in Colorado, same exact conversation. What does yeah. it take to revitalize downtown Denver? If you go there now, I mean, it's still boarded up. There's still places right. that still shut yeah. down. So the idea yeah. of getting people back into the mix where you start to feel that certainty of it's okay. Yep, totally. It's really amazing to hear how dynamic and fluid you guys have been as an organization through this. I mean, in every area from experience innovation to rethinking, you know, how do we keep our employees to rethinking the way that we work. So I have a two-part question for you, Pavan. In, in 2021, in this moment now, to anyone listening and thinking, gee, I really want to get into hospitality or I want to get back into hospitality, what are the superpowers now for people in hospitality? What are the things that you and your colleagues look for when you're hiring? What are those key traits. And then the other side of that is I would love to hear about what tasks or functions actually do seem better fit for purpose for automation. You know, we have a, um, a partner in our company named Paul Goldstein. I don't know, Alex, you might know him, but um, he oversees a lot of our New York business. And, you know, he talks a lot about hiring. And, you know, for us, honestly, personality when it comes to hospitality is probably the most important quality we look for. And that may be counterintuitive. You may think it's experience, years of experience, working for similar operators, et cetera. But it's really personality and enthusiasm for the job because we can teach you how to be a bartender. We can teach you how to be a server. And um, and that's not to take away anything from take anything away from somebody who's an expert, you know, um, uh, at crafting cocktails or an expert at delivering a great service experience for our guests. It certainly takes time to become great at it. But what's really important is, and I, I, I think about this as well, service, if you think about what that means in hospitality and what our industry is often referred to as a service industry, you know, it takes a sp- certain kind of person to put the needs of somebody else ahead of their own needs. That's really what the definition of service is to me, right? And that's something that some people like to be served and other people are willing to serve. And I think that finding people that are willing to serve, that come with that mentality and attitude, that are open to being trained and learning from us, that's really what we're looking for when we're thinking of people. And that addresses one group of our team, right? Which is the venue level teams, right? When it comes to um, our corporate team members across every department, I would say it's, it's, it's consistently it's passion for this business because there it's not a traditional nine to five job. It is a very much a lifestyle. I'm a great example of that as are others in our company where, um, you know, uh, a lot of times our events are taking place on Friday or Saturday nights. A lot of time our events are taking place on the nights that you typically associate with having a good time yourself, New Year's Eve, Halloween. These are nights where you as a, as a normal person go out there to enjoy yourself. We're often working to ensure that you have a really great experience, right? So it's it's got to be a group of people that's really passionate with making that sort of sacrifice and realizing that. And again, that does in a way tie back to the service piece, right? That we're there to provide a great experience for our guests. You know, New Year's Eve for us is typically January 1st when we get to go out and enjoy ourselves. Halloween is the night before, the night after, right? That's, that's a very specific kind of person that wants to be a part of that. And, and look, there's certainly... You know, certain corporate, you know, departments like finance or HR, et cetera, that 
you know, are more traditional in their sense, but oftentimes those people are really engaged in like our industry as well and um, have come up through it perhaps and, and just gravitate towards it. So I think that's really important. Remind me the second part of your question. Well, before I do, I I just want to say for anybody listening, it's really important that you know January 1st is a really fun industry night. We just heard that from Pavan. Go out January 1st, double up on New Year's. Exactly. Um, The second part of the question was, what tasks now are better fit for purpose for AI or automation, you know, coming into Um, the back half of 2021? Yeah, I mean, AI, I think, look, like, you know, um, we're in the middle of rolling out a rewards program for the company. Um, we, we actually have that program. We've had that program ready to go for some time now. Obviously, it was delayed due to COVID. Um, but that's accompanied by a um, Tau Group Hospitality app, um, which is actually available in the App Store now. It's just hidden um, until we launch the program. Because, again, you know, taking that, that, that gracious hospitality, that people first, the service piece back to it you know what we really felt and we talked a lot about this was um if we wanted to you know and we don't have unlimited capital to spend right uh we have to we have to be thoughtful about how we deploy capital we thought a lot about whether we wanted to move forward with the crm program or a or a loyalty or rewards program and we just felt that rewards or loyalty um in essence was more in line with our um beliefs um and that um, you know, marketing is typically consumed with how to find new guests, new people, new consumers. But um, re- loyalty is really focused on um, uh, expanding on that relationship you have with your existing guests. And certainly, of course, to continue to use that as a way to drive um, new guests into our spaces. But um, so that's something that we're really proud of and we're rolling out. And integrated into that are a lot of the, I think, um, Technology pieces that guests have come to expect today, including you know ease of menus, QR menus, et cetera, um, being able to make reservations directly through the app, not having to go to third parties, um, uh, you know, an all-in-one experience where you can really see and find everything about our company, mobile pay, which is something that's really come to ahead during COVID. Um, things like being able to get rewarded for delivery and takeout. We hadn't really contemplated that before. We hadn't really thought that that was something that was going to be important to get to our guests. But now so much of our behavior has changed as a result of COVID where delivery and takeout has become such a big part or such an emphasis for us as a, as an industry. So those small little minor tweaks and considerations were further developed through COVID actually. And in response to COVID where perhaps certain features would have been part of a version two or version 10 of the app. We're now making part of the initial rollout of the app because we think they really speak to what our guests are looking for right now. And we also felt it was a really nice message coming out of a difficult time where we were able to persevere thanks to the support of many people that now we're giving something back to them, which really ties into our identity as a company and all the other you know, attributes we taught or our DNA that we sort of identified. We felt like that was something that was really powerful. Um, but, but in closing, I would say that Again, we really pride ourselves on that human interaction. I think that's what mm. makes our business so special. And while we're willing to um, provide technology solutions to make our guests feel more comfortable or make the experience a little bit more seamless, we don't ever want to get too far away from that human interaction with between our team and our guests because that's just what makes us special and different. 
So no Pavan chatbot anytime soon. No, 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 no. <laughs> it would be nice. It would be yeah. nice, but yeah. no. Staying on that line, um, touchless, frictionless blew up in the pandemic and yeah. now it's here to stay. Yeah. Everybody would rather yeah. have that kind of experience, myself included. And one of the yeah. things that I saw is that you all are building Sphere. And I got yeah. to think that a lot of this technology that you're talking about, which is this loyalty, uh, a different way to interact, customer first, touchless, frictionless, is all of that kind of going into Sphere too? And could you tell us yeah. about Sphere? Yeah, I, I can't really say too much more about Sphere. I, what I will say is that, um, you know, the the premise, the through line of Sphere, and it sounds really funny, is math. Um, like, and I know that sounds like a funny thing, to, funny way to put it, but there's um, a lot of technology in there. It's almost like math and science when you walk into the building and facility. That's really going to be the vision for it. it it's going to be transportive in the sense of almost feeling like a little bit like you're in the future. Um, the technology is one of a kind, and it's and, and and Sphere, unlike other arenas, is geared exclusively towards live performances and entertainment. So, you know, when you think of Madison Square Garden, it's designed in such a way to allow for the Knicks to play, the Rangers to play, right? You go to a lot of stadiums and they're geared around sports. And then when they do a flip or a build for a performance, you know, they'll put a stage on one side of where, you know, the, the end zone would be normally or where the bleachers would be. And this entire experience is geared towards live entertainment. Um, and it's really what what's so cool about it to me is, um, you know, the MSG team has have been leaders in that space for such a long time. They've had so much experience in that space for, for such a long time. And they're building on that and creating really what is a next generation venue and experience. And, and with us as Tau Group now being a subsidiary of theirs, bringing that high touch guest experience into that large of a space and really thinking about it from um, everything from the entrance experience to how the, um, the the suites are designed to the team members that are going to be servicing our guests within those spaces, really having our approach of gracious hospitality first. You know, and I think it's it's easy to see how that works in a small environment, but now imagine having that in an arena, um, which I think is really exciting. And, and And yes, so much of it is geared around technology, a lot of which is still evolving and I can't really talk about, but... Um, is super exciting. Yes. It looks amazing. So, um, yeah. and it's still, this is going to be Las Vegas 2023, right? Yeah. Um, timeline. Yes. That sounds right. Yes. But it is Las Vegas. Correct. Very this cool. thing looks like a friendly version of the Death Star. <laughs> Guys, like, check it out. <laughs> Landed. Like, yeah. MSGsphere.com if you want to get a preview. It's really it's, it's cool. It's definitely going to change the skyline of Las Vegas, which I think is pretty remarkable. And if you, you do do your own Google search, you'll you'll be able to see what I'm talking about. But um, it's it's uh, we're super excited about. Is there anything that seemed unimaginable to do digitally or virtually in hospitality that is commonplace now? Like, and you kind of tipped your t cap to this is like, hey, we're all about the personal experience but we were forced to jump into this digital virtual world and is it commonplace now is this here to stay um you know i, I think for us we're reticent to um i think we're reticent to i think we're really focused on bringing guests into our spaces yeah that's what we're really focused on you know we we were continuing to invest in 
going from 66 to even more locations. We're really committed to creating these one-of-a-kind experiences that people can come and enjoy in person. That's really our driving force now. I think perhaps would we consider supplementing the in-person experience with a streaming experience that those who can participate, whether it be for geographic reasons or you know, not everybody can always travel to and see some of these shows that we do or some of these events that we host. I think that's really interesting. And I think that's how we'll look at things moving forward um, as like supplemental or as an add-on to the in-person experience um, because it allows us to cast a wider, wider net. I, I will well, say like things you see like, that, like T-Pain and Timbaland on a streaming Instagram and like yep. a million people are on the thing, you know? Yep. 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 Versus is, I think you're talking about versus. Is that it? Yeah. 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 I mean, versus is super interesting in its premise. And, but you know, what I would say is I, I think many of us would love to see that in person, right? Like if, if you really think about it, right? Like that's a really great input. And I'm sure that will ultimately be where it goes to, where you will see a, you know, a, a tour of versus battles happening across the country, whether it's the same artists or different artists. Um, and they'll continue to stream in order to reach a wider and larger audience for sure. Um, but I'm, I'm, I sort of reverse engineered, right? It, like it worked because of COVID. Had COVID not occurred, would that have been the medium through which it was launched? I don't know. You know, I, I can't speak for them. But I think things for us like um, like nationwide shipping of our items, like it was not something we ever thought would work for our brands. And it turns out it's quite successful. That's not going anywhere. We're going to be doing that forever. We're going to continue to innovate around that. Like the experience of, of bringing our, you know, um, hospitality into your home is something that we're going to remain very open to if that's how our clients or guests would prefer to interact with us for a special occasion or moment in a way that we would have never considered before. So some of that will hold true, but I think we're really committed to bringing people into our spaces. Thank you. On the other side of that, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of curious, and this is not for you to throw shade at your competitors. This is really more thematically. Are there areas of technology or digital experience that you see in hospitality that are emergent that you say, hey, I don't think this is ever going to work? This doesn't make any sense to me as a, as a human-centric leader in a human-centric hospitality brand. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of areas in which I see, I really, I can't say, Alex, I don't really see anything right now that I think is, I, there's nothing that comes to mind, honestly. I want to check in on this um, restaurant disruption. You know, at the Disrupted Workforce, we talk about things that are disrupted forces reshaping. And one of those in restaurants is the ghost kitchen, right? This idea of you grab a space, rent it for a brief amount of time, whip up some delicious food, ship it all out, and, and then you're out. You clean this place yeah. up and walk out. Yep. Is that, and, and that, I believe, Euromonitor said, is a $1 trillion, estimated to be a $1 trillion business by 2030. Right. So what do you think about things like that, and, and will it be sticky? Yeah, that, I mean, that, Alex, would be a, a good example of, I think, something that's emergent that I, I think is here to stay that I do think it makes a lot of sense, right? Like if we, I think we've all, I think become hyper aware if we weren't before of, of the various delivery platforms that are out there, right? And, um, you know, I think whether whether you're in the industry or not, I, during COVID, it, it's come to a head, right? The fees they charge and, um, you know, how how it's been somewhat paralyzing for, for many of us in the industry. And 
Um, but at the same time, they provide a service, right? And it's 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 you're making a choice to utilize them. I think with the ghost kitchens in particular, you know, especially if you're an entrepreneur, if you're really looking to um, develop a concept uh, and and opening a brick and mortar store and all of the um, the costs that are associated with that was previously a barrier to entry. Now you're allowing more people to come into the space. And I think what's really cool, that's really cool. I think that giving people the opportunity to get into our business and, and experiment a little bit and try out concepts that they feel like fit a need in the market. And you know what, if they work and there's an audience for them and, and they decide they want to then flip into a traditional retail or brick and mortar, that's great. I think that's a great way. And especially now, I think everybody's aware of the number of restaurants that have closed. Um, I, I, I suspect that they're, uh, for all the restaurants that have closed, there are a couple of guys, a couple of guys and girls sitting around at home who use this time to brainstorm and think and really uh, hone in on a concept that they love. And um, are you're going to see a lot of those coming to market where they have, maybe they have a brick and mortar presence, maybe they don't, maybe they just have a digital presence, maybe they have both um, or some combination where they have a really uh, flagship retail presence, but then are able to create reach or scale through ghost kitchens, right? Develop equity in that brand or concept through a physical store that people can come into and then amplify that through through ghost kitchen. So I think that's incredible, you know, and I think that that's something that, again, will allow more and more people to come into the space. And I think anytime that can happen, uh, that's a good thing. And and we're certainly, everything is competition, yes, but there's more than enough room and we welcome that and we think it's great. It's just going to, it's going to get more people into our industry and, and hopefully fill the gap that's been created a little bit by obviously a huge downturn that's occurred through through COVID. Yeah. And I think it's thematic of everything you're saying, like, let's get business back out there. Let's get yeah. back out there. And if yeah. this kind of virtual, physical, hybrid, shared thing can do that. Totally. Power to them. Totally, um, totally. You all are an inspirational brand and your leadership style is inspiring, but there probably are some brands that you're inspired by, maybe even particularly during the pandemic. Was there yeah. a brand or a couple of brands that you were looking at during this craziness and going, wow, we want to be like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I started with Madison Square Garden and and, I, and it's not that I'm drinking the Kool-Aid because they're our parent company. But again, you know, having the commitment like we did to to keeping people and keeping our people and believing that's our greatest asset is something that still to this day blows me away. We I might not be sitting here right now in the same capacity had we not had their support over the last, you know, 15 to 18 months. I and know I, I I emailed them to fire you. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully you weren't successful. I know they're um, like they're like Alex Schwartz, you also emailed us last week for like free season passes. Like, go away, dude. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it, and 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 I think it's it's I don't want to say unique because certainly there are other companies that were equally committed. Um, but it's it's pretty incredible. So I, I definitely you know throughout this entire process have really appreciated them. Um, I think there's two other great groups in our space that we always have admired and always looked to and. Um, one is Let Us Entertain You out of Chicago. If you're not familiar mm -hmm. with their group, you know, yeah. the Melman family, they own over 100 outlets all over the country and, um, you know, have a lot of the same core values that we do um, and um, really represent the best of us in, in the hospitality business, the restaurant business. Uh, unlike us, we're we're pretty balanced restaurant and nightlife. They're almost exclusively restaurants. So mm -hmm. I'd give a I'd give a shout out to, to um, Rich Melman and RJ Melman, um, who are great people. 
Um, Danny Meyer, you know, who I don't have a yeah. personal relationship with, but has also always been sort of a like a pioneer and vanguard for our industry. And, you know, again, um, his book, Setting um, the Table, is really setting the table, of course. Ago, yeah. and, and just also like, you know, their commitment to their people, their their inventiveness around their relief fund. Um, I, you know, I, I'm sure we both borrowed from each other, but we definitely drew inspiration from them. Um, and uh, as somebody who's just really outspoken and vocal about like our industry and, you know, constantly trying to find new and innovative ways to take care of his people and do what's best for not him alone, but but for the company and for his team, I think is just, you know, the kind of leadership that, that we admire and we, you know, we believe we reflect as well. So I think those would be two great examples. Awesome. In addition to Madison Square Garden. Yeah. So to our listeners, send your resumes to Pavan and to MSG first. And then if they don't have anything <laughs> open, those are your second tier options. <laughs> uh, thanks, Alex. No doubt. No doubt. Now, listen, man, when you started in this business, you had a flip phone and a pager. Yep. And now we have supercomputers in our pockets with cameras and sensors and I would love to hear from you. What are the pros and cons of having these devices in your venues? Look, it's the same as I think, you know, outside of our venues, like life passes us by sometimes when we're, we're buried our faces in that glowing light of our phone. And, um, you know, there's a lot of magical moments that occur when, when you're sitting uh, with a group of friends or um, even standing at a bar with strangers, um, that goes by you if you're not paying attention to what's going on. You know, I have two young children, as you know, and um, we have always been very thoughtful about how much time they get in front of the TVs and phones, because I mean, I'm sure all three of us would agree. I mean, I'm addicted to my phone, you know, and I'm conscious of it or try and be conscious of it, you know, and I'm still hooked on it. Now I'm in a, everybody has their excuse or reasons, right? I'm, I'm in a 24 seven having to answer and respond and take care of my guests. And so I'm constantly paying attention to that. Um, but, um, you know, missing those moments that are happening, which is why you're there for that human interaction, which is what makes our experiences so unique, feels like defeating, right? Like, it, you know, it really feels like you're defeating the purpose of being there. Um, but at the same time, you know, I can also tell you that Alex, you know, 20 years ago, if I wanted to make plans with you and we were going out together for a night, I would say to you, well, I'll meet you in front of this place at nine o'clock at night. And you'll say yes. And I could get there early or I could get there late. And maybe you're not there. And I would wonder, well, mm -hmm. did you ever come? Were you, did you make it? Are you caught up? Is everything okay? Are you safe? Are you all right? Um, and, 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 you know, it's kind of cool now to be able to, in real time, be able to move around and for people to see, hey, there's something great going on here. Let me make my way over there. Or, hey, plans have changed. We're now doing this, right? And that I think is really helpful. And I think that's, that's allowed us to um, network and socialize a little bit more efficiently. But I think once you're together, once you're with the people you're meant to be with, once you're where you want to be, put your phones down, enjoy each other's you know, company because it's fleeting. And it's, if we didn't know that before, I think we all know that now. I think I've had so many great moments um, since COVID has begun to wind down. It's far from over. Um, I've had so many great moments sitting there having a conversation with somebody in person. And I, I really, truly don't believe that we would have gotten that deep if we were doing it over a zoom or over, over, over a call. Like I, there's something about the nuance, the facial expressions, the hand gestures, 
the look in someone's eyes and uh, the emotion that is very difficult to capture and that I truly enjoy and cherish. And I think now that we're coming back and people are allowed to interact with each other, feel safer to do so, um, you know, we should enjoy those moments with each other um, because we don't know what's around the, around the corner, you know? Yeah. No, that's really, really well said. And, and, and the sentiment is beautiful, man. And uh, I've seen the the care and attention you've put into helping your children lead a less digital life. So yeah. I know, I know you, I know you walk this purposefully. Um, yeah. I, I do feel in moments that, you know, looking back when I, when I do go out these days, which is not that often that it, it has become a little bit more of a spectator sport with people just putting their phones up and thinking about, Hey, what content can I create as yeah. opposed yeah. to yes. how can I yep. just, you know, fully drop in and enjoy this experience and, and be in this moment. Um, but, and I, I sort of wondered and in some ways maybe wanted to ask you, is there a responsibility of the restaurant and hospitality industry to, to ask people to interact with their phones differently? But I, I think that's probably the answer is that's an overstep and that, you know, yeah. it's more, more just, you guys as a, as a culture and as leaders, as, as people that are interacting in a human way to lead by example and hope that more people yeah. follow. But Pavan, could you, could you create, I mean, could it be a unique experience to call it a phone-free zone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You very you intentionally build. Totally, yeah. totally. You took the words out of my mouth. I mean, I've attended events um, for privacy reasons where phones have not been permitted and you totally, it's a totally different dynamic and you can see some people are more comfortable and some people are less comfortable, you know, when it comes down to not having that shield of your phone to, to protect you. Right. Um, are these so like yeah, eyes wide off. shut parties or like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, it's cool. It creates an, it's an interesting dynamic, you know, and again, some people shy away from it. Others like they come alive in that sort of environment or setting, you know, for sure. Well, I want to take us into a speed round. And uh, the idea behind the speed round is we're going to ask you a couple rapid fire questions and you're going to go with your gut and give us the response that you have. And Alex, okay. Alex, you're going to kick us off. All right. So number one, what key lessons of hospitality do you apply to parenting and being a good husband? Oh, my God. You guys are going to get me in trouble with my wife over here. Um, <laughs> I, I think for me, it's 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 empathize. It's really it's it's understanding that we're all, you know, I've been I've been with my wife for over eleven years, uh, coming up on eleven years. We've been together a long time. She's been with me throughout this entire journey, and you know, spending more time with each other through COVID in particular, and and really like recognizing the work that goes on on both sides, right? Because I typically go away to an office. So she has an understanding of what I'm doing here, phones and emails, calls and emails, sure. Um, and my understanding of when I'm not there is she's focused on her work. She has a kid's clothing line or she's focused on raising our children, um, which I'm an active participant in, but when I'm not there. And and the reality of, of what we both actually do um, in our business, when we're together and watching and observing that, to me, has been the most interesting thing. And I, I don't think that directly answered your question, um, but I thought that was important. I would say the other thing is, is the graciousness, the kindness with which we treat our guests to treat the people that we know and love mm -hmm. in the same way. Not to take it for granted because she's my wife or they're my kids or that's my friend. The same way I would treat a guest who's walking into one of our restaurants or one of our nightclubs or one of our events to remind myself to treat 
my wife, my family, the ones I love the most, the ones who you typically can, you do take a little bit for granted, not to take for granted. I think that's that's the the parallel that I've continued to try and reinforce in myself. Love that. So good. Are we headed for a Roaring Twenties style party environment? Like, are people, there's a funny commercial that's out right now by a gum gum company that is hilarious where everybody just loses their mind and busts uh-huh. out of their house and all that. Are we going to be in this sort of pendulum swing, lose your mind phase for a little bit? We're there right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, we're there right now. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening in every city and I'll talk about America because, you know, different parts of the world are, are going through different things. But uh, in America, it's, we're there. It's happening right now. Every night, quietly, if you're not invited somewhere, there is something like that going on and people are going wild. Yes. Wow. An old Usher song brings up a lot of questions, Pavan. Do people really make love oh, no. in the club? <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> Unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you feel about it, yes, they do. Oh, yes. my gosh. Good okay. one. I wasn't sure which Usher song we were going to go with. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shifting gears, international travels requiring a vaccine card. You got to show that you've been vaccinated to get on some planes. Is there any space for that in the restaurant or nightclub hospitality industry where you've got to show that you've been vaccinated to play? Well, it's, it's right. It's, it, that is also happening right now. So, so like, and again, it's, it varies state by state, unfortunately and city by city, but in Los Angeles where I live, for example, I can tell you that um, the vaccination rules are in place now where there are different rules for vaccinated guests versus unvaccinated mm-hmm. guests in Chicago, where we operate um, recently, just last week, restrictions were eased for vaccinated guests. Um, it feels like to me, which I'm supportive of, that it is an effort to encourage more people to get vaccinated. And I think that's a great idea. That's you know just how I personally feel. Um, and so, yes, um, for sure, there is. Um, how strictly those are enforced and, um, and how long they'll be adhered to, I'm not sure. But, but that is certainly what you're seeing now, shaping policies everywhere that we operate. How are you a better human and leader? as a result of going through the pandemic? It's a, it's just a, it's a level playing field. You know what's interesting about pandemics um, like this is um, movie theaters aren't open for the rich and those who have less. Mm-hmm. Restaurants weren't open for some people and closed for others. Uh, you know, a, a lot of the behaviors that we all accept as being equal and, and available to human beings, like as our rights um, or privileges were equally taken away. And I think that that, that reminder that we are all one and the same and that um, we are all equally vulnerable and of how deeply we're connected, I think is, is a really powerful thing and, and one that should not be forgotten. You know, I, I just think it's, it's like a great equalizer. It affected everybody in the same way. Now, look, I'm Indian. India is going through a terrible second surge. Um, I'm actually fundraising for um, some COVID relief and support in India as we speak. And, um, it certainly does feel that um, those who are um, um, who have less are affected disproportionately in circumstances like this, and we should all be yep. really sensitive to that. Um, but um, I, I think it's it's the the what we what what I went through, what you went through during this pandemic is is similar to what 
your neighbor, your friend has gone through, right? The same roller coaster of emotions and uh, and 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 concern and panic and fear of you know your health and mental health. Like we're all going through it together, and I think it, it, you know, hopefully, it, it has brought us all a lot more closer to that idea. Um, and if, I think if we can come, if we can operate from that position, if we can think like that, um, I know it's. Uh, made me more aware and um i'll continue to try and you know li live my life that way um hopefully i won't have to endure another pandemic to be reminded of it um but uh but yeah pavan on that note it is been so refreshing to hear from you and to hear this heartfelt heart-centered care deeply make the world a better place invite other people in let's do this in an inclusive and thoughtful way leadership style has been phenomenal so thank you so much for thank you today. thank you thank you for saying that i appreciate it amazing to see you buddy and just uh, you too. fantastic to have you on where uh can people find you and where's the best place for people to learn more about your venues um well i'm easy i'm on instagram it's just pavan my first name p-a-v-a-n and there's also some information on the fundraiser for india that i am um, trying to raise money for and then our company is easy talgroup.com and you can learn about every single venue in our portfolio we have yet to roll up the former hakasan group venues under our portfolio we will be doing that soon but similarly hakasangroup.com you'll get a full by city by brand everywhere we operate um, is the best way to learn about our properties and for anyone who has not been to a Tao Group or Hakkasan property, dive in, bring your sweetheart, meet your sweetheart, bring your boys, <laughs> go with your girls. Yes. These yes. are incomparable venues. And um, you guys have done such an exceptional job coming out so, so, so strong um, in 2021. So congratulations, man. Thank you. And All true story. Well deserved. I met my wife outside of one of our restaurants in New York almost 11 years ago. Wow. So it can happen, if, you know. So please come on, come all. You never know. What and Pavan's wife is awesome, you guys. She's she awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All, all right, right, my Pavan, friend. Thanks again for your time, guys. Right. Okay, take care. Be good. Bye. Thank you so much for your time attention and support today. It means the world to Nate and myself. And please be sure to rate and review the podcast if the content resonates with you. We can't wait to engage with you again and have a wonderful day, week, month, and year.